but I heard a comedian a while back. It's it's old. Uh, he repeated things and he asked the, the the crowd to repeat with him, and then they came to this one little thing where he said, you know. I won't say stupid things but other people tell me to say. And they all started to say it until they realized what he had just said. So here's what I want you and me to think about today. We live in a culture that's different and yet not very different from generations before us. Because in every generation and in every culture, there are ideas and ideologies and theologies and thoughts and ideas about who God is, and what God wants to do. And in our day, we're no different. There are strange doctrines and strange ideas out there today about who God is and how he, re he really wants to bless us. So here's what I want us to be challenged with this entire month, and it's the idea of growing deeper in our faith, having those deep roots that go deep underground, that will help us when we're wondering what in the world's going on. When we're wondering and questioning, God, are you really there? When we wonder and we ask, God, is there hope for tomorrow or maybe even today? You may be asking at times, well, God, if you really exist, then why am I going through this? And so these are just many of the questions that we ask. So God wants me and God wants you. Jesus said this himself. It's recorded in John's Gospel, chapter 10, the 10th verse, and it's basically this. The devil came to kill, steal, and what? Tell me, somebody. Destroy. He wants to destroy our lives. He wants to rob from us the joy and the peace that Jesus came to give us. Jesus, when he said those words, the devil came to do this, he then added these words. I came to give you an abundant and full life. I want you to experience God's best is another way to say it. Now, having God's best doesn't mean being free from problems. It doesn't mean being free from challenges. It doesn't mean being free from moments where our faith will be stretched and tested. So, Here's a question. You can raise your hand. I don't really, I, I would love to see it. How many, of your, how many of you had your faith tested, stretched last year? Right here. I'll, I'll be one of the first ones. And some of you didn't raise your hands. Either you're lying or you didn't know you were being tested. Here's another question. Do you believe your faith will be tested in 2024? I do. You're going to be tested, and I'm going to be tested. We will be challenged to say with certainty, I believe that God is God, and I believe that God sits on his throne, and I believe that no matter what I may go through, God will help me get through it. And when I go through it, I will be stronger. My faith will be deeper. Jesus told a parable once, and the parable goes something like this. There were two people. One built his house, well, on the sand. The other built his house upon a rocky foundation. Now, just listen to that, and if you know the parable, you know the outcome. 
But even if you don't know the parable, you probably know the outcome. If you build your house on the sand, an unsecure foundation, what do you think is going to happen? It ain't going to last long. In the parable, Jesus said that when the rains came, when the storms came, the house that was built upon the sand washed away. But the one whose house was built on the strong, firm, rocky foundation, it withstood the storms. You see, each of us, we're going to go through something this year that will test us and that will help us and kind of force us to look deep in our own heart and even in our mind ask the questions, do I really believe and is my faith really in a God who says he can, who says he has, and he says that he will even in my own life? And the answer to that should always be yes. God has, God is, and God will do things in my life, not for my glory, not for your glory, but for his glory. So that he can get the credit, he can get the gratitude, he can get the praise. And we're, we're his servants. And so today I want you to think with me on this whole idea of growing deeper, getting those roots in your life deeper than they are now, because you're going to need them. 2024 could be a rocky year. It could be a very interesting year. So with that said, let's look at these verses of Scripture. Verses, uh, chapter 2, Colossians, verses 6 and 7. So then, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to walk in Him, being rooted and built up in Him and established in faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Now, I'm just going to pause right there on those few words, just two little verses. These two verses pack a little bit of a punch for us today. He starts out by saying, without question, writing to the church, Paul the writer, the human author, as God inspired him, he wrote to the church, the Christians, the believers in the city of Colossia, he wrote these words, just as you received Christ, just as you received Christ, you see, I'm hoping and I'm believing that everyone here listening to me, you have received Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. In fact, I believe He's our Lord and then our Savior. You, 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 most of us kind of think, well, He's my Savior and then He's my Lord. I think we get it backwards. We believe that He is the Lord. He is the Creator. He is the Sustainer. Jesus is God in the flesh. And he and he alone is the only one who can save us from our sin. And we believe that and we confess that. And when we believe he's our Lord, he becomes our Savior. A little twist on the words, right? Paul writes, as you receive Jesus as Lord. Notice he did not say Savior. Just as you received him as your Lord. See, here's where our faith journey truly starts. Now, our journey starts prior to that because we're learning about Jesus, we're learning about God, we're learning about what he wants and what he expects, and we know of our sin, we know of our life, and he says at some point we come to the point where we say, I must ask Jesus 
to be my Lord. I will bow down before him and I will turn from my old way of thinking, my old way of living, and I'm going to leave all that behind and I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord. Then Paul adds these words, as you've received him, continue to keep walking in him. Continue. Actually, in the original Greek language, this word continue, it doesn't translate well into English because it uses a particular verbiage that we don't have in English. It basically means you constantly, without exception, continue to follow him. You never stop following him. You never turn your back on him. You are pressing on each and every day. It is a continual relationship of spiritual growth. You're walking in him. What does it mean to walk in Jesus? Walk in Jesus, not with Jesus, in Jesus. You you did see that, I hope. Walk in him. To walk in Jesus, it means that you and Jesus are in sync with your spirit. To walk in him means I am acknowledging that I am not my master, that I am not, I am not my own boss, that he is my Lord, he is the one to whom I'm committed, he lives within me, and I need to walk in him, experiencing his presence, experiencing his wisdom, experiencing his words, experiencing his life every day of my life. Now, we don't do that perfectly. I know I don't do that perfectly. There there are moments, and those who know me best, those who live in my house, first, the woman that I'm married to, she knows very well that I am not always walking in Jesus. My daughter who lives in the house, her husband Joel knows very well I do not always walk in Jesus. But I also knew this about them. They don't either. There are times I think, well, I'm walking better than they're walking. I've never said that to Rhonda. I will not say that to her. She is not here right now, so she will probably not hear this. But anyway... To walk in Jesus means I am working hard to fight off the spiritual warfare, the satanic influences, the past of my life, the struggles of my life, the weaknesses in my life. I am walking away from that, walking in Jesus, in the Spirit of Christ, so that I can live a life that pleases and honors Him. Paul Paul said it this way to the Philippian church. He said in Philippians chapter number 3, I want to know Jesus. I want to know him in my mind. I want to know him and I want to know about him. I want to know what he did, what he said, where he went, why he did, and what he did, and and how he lived his life, and who he was. And I want to know about God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. And I want to know all that I can intellectually I want to know this in my mind so that I can walk in him and then Paul added in Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 and I want to know 
what it means to experience his resurrection power. See, that's where many of us kind of fail to grow. We don't walk in the resurrected power of Jesus. See, many people in our world today see Jesus as the nice, loving, gracious, kind man who walked this earth, who lived a good life, taught many lessons, and died on a cross. And some believe he did raise from the dead, but they don't really believe that he raised from the dead enough for their life to be changed by his resurrection power. But when Jesus was buried in the tomb, dead in the tomb, he was raised from the dead, given you life. Why? So that you, me, and others who know him as Savior and Lord could experience his resurrection power. You ever thought about what that really means, resurrection power? Jesus defeated death and the grave. It doesn't mean just when we die will we experience resurrection power. But because Jesus has been resurrected because he defeated death and the grave, that means you, me, all who believe can experience resurrection power every day of our lives. We don't have to go through life defeated, miserable, weak, powerless. I do this every now and then just for the fun of it. You walk up to those doors, and before they open, I like to do that. I just want to move my hand, and that door opens. Now, I know it's not opening because I have some kind of mystical Jedi power. I know that it opens because the sensor near the top of the door has sensed my presence, and the sensor then told the door through its electronic mechanism to open. But for me, I just find it fun to get up there and go, and then walk right in. On a much deeper level, because Jesus was raised from the dead, you cannot discount the power of God in your life to give you what you need. Not that you have to move your hand, but you know that Jesus is alive, that he is well, and that he is empowering you to do what you cannot do in your own power every day of your life. When you experience something that wants to weigh you down and pull you down or hold you back. You and me, we all need to remember that when we are walking in Him, that He empowers us to do what we could never do in our own strength. So, He says in verse 7, so that's just verse 6. Verse 7 says, We experience this power by being rooted and built up in him, rooted. A few years ago, we planted these azaleas on the little side of the hill near our house. They got real big. I'm not a master eh, gardener. Sorry, Randy. I I don't understand that. I don't like shrubs. But I have to have shrubs, not because I need them, but because someone else needs them. So these shrubs, these azaleas, they needed to come up. So I was asked 
to go dig them up so we could do what? Plant more shrubs. My question was, we don't need any more shrubs. And after losing that discussion, I went out with the shovel and began to dig up this large azalea. Do you know what I learned about that azalea? There were roots everywhere. Every time I pushed it in, there was another root. I finally said, that's it. I'm done digging this up. I turned around and looked and said, uh, I'll get it up another way. I pulled my truck up. I got me a big, heavy binding. I don't know what it was, rope, but it was something. I tied it to the bush and tied it to the front of my truck. I put it in four-wheel drive, low, started to back up, and then I had a thought. What if that rope breaks? Or what if I go too fast and it pulls it up and the shrub comes and takes out my windshield? And I just wondered, what was I doing the right thing? I went out and I looked and studied it, thought about getting the shovel again, and the lazy part of Sam said, nah, pull that baby up. So I pulled that, back, I pulled that little booger up. I, I, and it didn't, nothing was hurt, nothing was harmed. Why was it so hard to get up? Because the roots were deep. It was firmly planted. When your faith is firmly planted and the roots go deep into the soil of God's Word, the Spirit of God, you will be able to withstand things you otherwise wouldn't be able to withstand. No, the devil's not going to be able to pluck you up if you've got deep roots. See, Paul said, and, and God reminded all of us, as we are walking in Jesus, we have to have deep roots, firmly planted, growing deep in the, the soil of life and God's Word, so that when hard times come, when challenges come, our faith isn't shaken. I have met many people in the course of my life, especially through hospice. I, one of, all of us would probably agree the most difficult challenge any of us will face here on this earth is a terminal illness, the death of a loved one. Up near the top of that would be a divorce the loss of a relationship, a very serious illness, a financial, I mean a major financial crisis. All of these are things that could shake our faith. But I want you to know something. From my experience of just watching and listening and talking to a whole host of people, for those whose faith is deeper, I mean deep, deeply rooted in Scripture, in their relationship with Jesus, they are the ones who weather the storms the best, without exception. Why? Because God is walking in them in such a way their doubts are minimized. 
They have a calmness and a peace in the midst of their sorrow, in the midst of their questions, in the midst of their wondering, even in the midst of their doubts. They have a calm assurance that Jesus is still on his throne and that he's going to make sure everything's still going to be okay, even if it appears it's not going to be okay. We have to have our roots deep. We must be built up in him. Built up in Jesus, not ourselves. Do you have great ideas? I do. I have great ideas. There are times I think I may be one of the smartest people in my house. I have read things on Facebook and other places and listened to people, and there are other people who have great ideas, but guess what? I have some really good ideas. I've seen that recent thread that Miss Becky shared about the dishwasher. Robert, I'm sorry, but yes, they may get clean, but they need to be loaded a certain way in order to get perfectly clean. Those of you who just throw things in the dishwasher, shame on you. Here's here's what I want us to see, and and that's just a joke, y'all. That's a joke. I'm kidding. I don't care how you load your dishwasher. It's your dishwasher. You do it the way you want to, but don't come messing with mine. All right, now, that's off my chest. When we, are, when we are firmly established in what we know to be true in Scripture about who Jesus is and who God is and what he wants to, be, to do in our life, when we are built up and established in him, things work out. Our faith is not shaken. We get through it. It doesn't mean we don't express emotion. It doesn't mean that we have a bad day. It doesn't mean that we have questions at times it just means God I I may not understand it but I know that you're in control I know that you've got it I know that it's going to be okay my faith is not shaken I am still okay Paul added these words you are walking in him you are rooted in him you are built up in Jesus you are established in your faith And and then he added, just as you were taught. Just as you were taught. We we can't just kind of get this on our own. Meaning, we just don't stand around and look up to the heavens and say, I just know everything about God now. You, you, You have to be taught. When, when I became a follower of Jesus, I was 18. I had not gone to church regularly, meaning regularly, not even close to regularly, meaning I went to church maybe Christmas, maybe sometimes, rarely, but Easter in my high school years. I was just not interested in anything spiritual back then. But when I committed my life to Christ, when when I invited Jesus to be my Savior, Lord, you know what I started doing? I did go to church then. I went to Sunday school. I took a Bible, and I actually started to read it. You know how much I understood? (laughs) Not much. I remember reading from the King James, because back then, meaning, you know, long, long 
a galaxy a long, long, long time ago, about all you ever had was King James. There weren't many more translations available. So I'm reading this, this, this Bible, and I'm scratching my head thinking, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand. This makes no sense to me. I could have given up and said, because I can't understand it, I'm going to quit. But then I, I just thought, maybe I should just ask God to help me understand. And so I prayed the prayer, God help me understand a little bit. And then I began to understand a little bit. And then I, I kept reading. And then I read a little more. And I understood a little more. And over the course of 40 plus years, guess what? I'm still reading and still understanding more than I did 40 years ago. You see, we, we have to be taught. God is our teacher, but we also need some people to teach us as well. When Paul came to the city of Colossia and started this church, or the city of Philippi, or whatever city he came to, when he shared the gospel with people and they said, yes, we believe, and they received Jesus as their Lord, do you know what he did? Did he then leave? No, he stayed and he taught them the scriptures. Back then, there was no New Testament. There was only the Old Testament. There are people today that say the Old Testament isn't relevant today. Well, that's strange to me. Why is that strange? Because if it was good enough for Paul and Peter and John and James and the others in that time period, then why in the world is it not good enough today? That is illogical and stupid. That sounds harsh, but I'm sorry, but it is the truth. The, the Old Testament helps us understand the New Testament. They are together. The old with the new helps us to get a complete picture of all of God's purposes and all of God's ways and all that we need to know and understand. And so Paul said, just as you were taught when I was with you, Today, we need people to teach us as we teach ourselves. We can't grow any other way. Math has never been one of my favorite subjects. I, Miss Jennifer, about got whiplash then. Math has never been, I, I, I like math. Now, I grew up in the time period where calculators were just, again, they were, they were kind of new back then. We had batteries. There, were, there was no such thing as a solar-powered calculator back in my day. I used an archaic system to help me do math back in the day. One, two, three, four. There it is, four. I used my fingers. And if there was more than ten, I'd start over because I didn't want to take my shoes and socks off because I needed my toes sometimes to count. Here's what I'm trying to say. Today, now that I've learned a little bit more about simple math and addition, I'm learning how to even do it in my head without my fingers. Isn't that amazing? See, here's what we, we just miss. We somehow wonder when we become followers of Christ. We wonder this and we wonder that and we don't understand. But we have to learn to dig into Scripture ourselves and then have others teach us to show us and help us understand 
all of these deeper things of God. We just don't get it like that. It takes time. It takes work. It takes energy. It takes concentration. It takes commitment. And then he said in the last part of Colossians 2, 7, he says, overflowing with gratitude. I wonder how grateful we are sometimes of all that we have come into our life. I mean, really grateful. You ever had a toothache? You ever been grateful for a toothache? Not, not me. You ever been grateful for a traffic jam? Probably not. At Christmas, when you went to buy something at a store, for those that still do that, you ever been grateful for the long lines at the store? Probably not. You ever been grateful for that moment when you stubbed your toe? Grateful for that moment when you weren't feeling well and your list of things to do was long? Probably not. Moms, dads, are you grateful for that kid that just gets on your last nerve at the right moment? And you look at that child and wonder, why did I bring you into this earth? You ever grateful for that, that wife or that husband whom you love and adore, but you have that moment where you look at him or her and you go, why? Why? Why did I do this? You see, we, when things are going well, it's easy to be grateful. But, but, but Scripture says, in all of life's circumstances, we need to learn to be grateful. Say, God, thank you for this challenging moment. I have those moments when I'm not grateful. And I have those moments in the I'm not grateful for this that God says you should be. And I'm thinking out loud sometimes, well, I'm not. God, you had the power to not do this or not allow this. And then God reminds me of this. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. Now, what are you going to do with this opportunity? Even though I've been a follower of Jesus for many, many years, there's times I still go, well, I don't like it. See, we, we have to keep growing in our spirit of gratitude. Now, how do we do, this is what we're going to talk about all month. This was just the introduction to the rest of the month. How can we do it? Just very quickly. Number one, I hope you have accepted Jesus as your Lord. If you have not accepted him as your Lord, you can experience the presence of Jesus inside your heart, inside your life. You are going to struggle with all of the stuff that goes on with this world, and you'll never be the person that God truly wants you to become apart from knowing him as your Lord in your life. He's got to be your Lord. You've got to say, I confess my sin to you. I trust you, Jesus, to save me. I'm going to follow you. Even when it's hard, I'm going to follow you because you died for me and you have a purpose for me. And I want, I want you to know that I want to follow you all the days of my life. So that's number one. Number two, I hope that you will get to know Jesus better. And the only way you can know him better is not by osmosis. 
not by just kind of walking down the road and boom, it just hits you right then and there. You only will get to know him better by reading scripture, being taught scripture. You need to do it on your own and you need to be a part of a group in some fashion. I love talking to you here on Sunday mornings, but you need more than what I'm giving you. You need to be walking with some other folks. That's why I'm glad Amanda's doing a class. That's why I'm glad we have Sunday school on Sunday mornings. And if you go, I can't come that early on Sunday mornings or I don't want to come on Sunday mornings, then I want to make a commitment to you. Whatever time you can meet with somebody, let me know and we'll start a class to help you grow. We'll do it. We'll do it. I don't care. I'm here about helping you grow. Guess what? In Paul's day, in John's day, in Peter's day, they didn't even have church buildings to go to. And they found ways to help each other grow in their faith. And we can do the same thing. See, that's the deal right there. You have to decide what you want to do. Because guess what? We can offer a gazillion things. But if people don't come, don't matter. Help me help you. Help me help you grow in your faith. You've got to learn to read Scripture, know Scripture, grow. Maybe you need somebody in your life to mentor you a little bit. Maybe there's somebody you go, well, you know, I kind of look up to him or her. They seem to really know Jesus. Then go to that person and say, can you help me grow? If you want me to be your mentor, watch out. You might not like what I do with you. What, I'm not going to be mean. But guess what? I can't mentor everybody. You know why? I don't have the time. When Jesus walked this earth, how many close people were in his circle? Yep, I don't have enough fingers, do I? That's 10, right? Add two to it, 12. He had 12. And of those 12, he had another group of people that he spent a little more time with. He had three in that circle. Now, beyond the 12, there were some 50 to 120-ish total who also walked with him. But he couldn't give them all the time they needed either. You see, spiritual growth means there are people in your life that you are allowing to pour into you and to challenge you. Some of you played sports, didn't you? Brett, you played sports. I know Brett played sports. I don't, I don't know who else played sports. Anyway, Brett, you played sports. You played baseball. Did you play football? You played football. And you had a coach, didn't you? Some of you have children that play sports. And for those of you who are parents of children who play sports, some of you are your children's coach. And some of you, when asked to be a coach, have said, no, 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 no. Don't want to do that. Why do we need coaches? Just because someone has raw talent doesn't mean their best will become better. A coach helps you become better. A coach will help you learn the fundamentals, the rules. 
but they help you as a player become better than what you were. So I wanted to just bring Brett up here for just a minute, and but I'm not. We, we don't have time. See, in sports, in life, we all have raw talent. We all have some sense of knowledge. I just remember, Justin, you played sports too. Forget what sport, Justin. Baseball. Baseball. All right, baseball. We all have these natural abilities. For those of you who are saying, I don't get the sports stuff, man. Let's just talk about music for a minute. Some people are musically talented. Some of y'all can just sing like, I mean, it was nothing. Some of you can read music as if it was just the easiest thing. But for most people, you have to learn to read music, don't you, Miss Becky? And if you don't keep it up, what happens? You kind of lose it a little bit. You know, if you don't play the guitar, if you don't keep picking and grinning, you may pick it up one day and go, all right, where was that G at? Was it a G? Is it a G? Okay. See, I know a little bit. I know a little. But guess what? I don't practice it. So I'm not going to be good at it. If you're going to grow in your faith, you've got to have somebody to push you, to encourage you, to teach you, to mentor you, to help you know more and to become better at what it is you are already doing. The same is true. Last one, I promise, is cooking. A while back, I saw somebody making homemade biscuits in a house I was in. She had that big old bowl of flour, and she poured the buttermilk in there, and she started whooping them biscuits, and I'm like, wow. I mean, she had them mixed up on the pan. It took her less than 10 minutes. I asked her, where'd you learn to do that? She said, my granny. And I said, teach me how to make a biscuit. She said, I ain't doing it right now. So I went to YouTube, and I started looking at YouTube on how to make a biscuit. And guess what? I made a biscuit. Wasn't edible. It was more like a rock. It was a weapon. But I kept trying, and I kept working, and I finally made a biscuit that was actually edible. And once I did it, you know what I did? I quit and went back to the frozen kind. See, sometimes we say we want to grow like me and my biscuit making. But in order to do something and do it well, if you have any ounce of natural ability, you've got to keep working at it, and then you've got to keep doing it to become a master biscuit maker or a master singer or musical instrument or, a, or, a, or an athlete or whatever it is. But the same is true in our walk with Jesus. If you're going to grow in your faith, you've got to have those deep roots, and you've got to keep practicing and keep growing and keep working at it and the deeper you grow, the stronger you become. That's the message today. Don't, don't stop growing. Because you'll miss out. And the greatest danger is this. The devil himself will do his best to rob you, to steal from you the peace and the joy that Jesus wants you to to have. Don't let him do it. And guess what? 
I can't stop it. Only you can make that decision.